get in the zone. This is the Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, wherever you're listening to this podcast right around the world, a very warm welcome to the Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia and sponsored by Play Straight Cricket. All the best players play straight. This week, I was in downtown Launton. Someone came up to me and said, hey, what's the name of the podcast? And I said, the Yellow Ball Podcast. Get involved. Uh, I've been reliably informed. Um, I'm off to a shaky start. I've been reliably informed that I need to start using some... um, some suburbs that are outside of the the Brisbane metropolitan area, so I'll I'll take that advice on board, and maybe next week we'll uh, we'll ship out to somewhere else. Uh, Juzzy, another week uh, on the podcast, mate. How are you travelling? I um, really enjoyed the chat with uh, Vinny Sandu, Mr. Maximo, last week. Great. Yeah, what it, well, a top bloke. He is a top bloke. He's a very funny bloke as well, old Vinny. Gee, he's quite a character. We've got some great feedback in, re- in regards to that podcast. So thanks very much for that, of course. Um, the Facebook page is where you can uh, head along www.facebook.com forward slash Yellow Ball Podcast uh, and get involved in all the action there. Um, and things are returning uh, to some kind of normalcy around the country when it comes to indoor sports and indoor cricket. Uh, obviously, we're not quite um, fully operational, but at least uh, we've got some indoor centres up and about. As our very first podcast episode, when we talked to uh, Stephen Mogg and Mark Divin, uh, the road to recovery is quite lengthy just because everything's um, began to fire up right now. It doesn't mean we're out of the woods and uh, we really need to get behind and support our indoor cricket centres. Shout out to major sponsor PSC, Play Straight Cricket. Check them out at playstraightcricket.com.au. The best cricketers play straight. Hey, Juzzy, what's the difference between a poor cricketer and Cinderella? I don't know, Gary. What is the difference between a poor cricketer and Cinderella? Cinderella knew when to leave the ball. A friend of mine is a retired umpire. He doesn't lift a finger now. Yeah, look, not going to lie, probably deserve that one as well. Hey, Juzzy. Uh, yeah. How do cricket players find things online? I have absolutely no idea. Tell me. They googly it. Terrible. Suchin Tendulkar Duvirot Kohli. Sportscast Australia are an agile sports broadcaster delivering TV quality live streams for national, state and grassroots sports, including the NICL and Indoor Cricket National Championship events across Australia. So before we get into this week's episode of the Yellow Ball Podcast, I also want to talk about indoor cricket's greatest games. Uh, If you haven't caught it already, head along to the Cricket Australia Indoor Facebook page. There you'll see two episodes that we've launched. Uh, One is for the men's 2009 World Cup final between Australia Australia and New Zealand and the absolutely thrilling national titles final in 2018 between Victoria and the ACT. Um, We've got guests coming out of our guests for that one there, five Australian players uh, in total. And that also doesn't include the thoughts and comments of uh, the legendary Billy Flores, the coach uh, from the ACT, who provided some uh, expert uh, insight at the end of uh, one of the Indoor Cricket Greatest Games uh, episodes. And a very big thank you to Potts Financial Services, can I say, uh, for the 
for the episode that was between uh, Victoria and uh, the ACT, uh, Potts Financial Services, if it wasn't for them, that episode wouldn't have uh, occurred. So please uh, get behind Andrew Potts and the team down there. He's a, he's a fantastic uh, indoor cricket umpire, but more importantly, uh, he's a fantastic human being and a big supporter of indoor cricket. So thanks very much to Potsy for that. The Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. So this week on the podcast, um, it's a two-parter. And it is with Indoor Cricket Hall of Fame inductee, Cindy Cross. Now, those uh, who might be familiar with Cindy Cross might know that she is an absolute vault. You won't often see her um, seeking the spotlight or wanting to be engaged in any kind of interview type platform. But we're extremely fortunate um, that she has chosen to accept our invitation to come onto the podcast. And it is an absolutely brilliant conversation that we have with her. And I'm just so, so glad and very proud um, that we're able to bring this directly uh, from the studio right to your ears. So please enjoy part one of our chat with Cindy Cross. Cindy Cross, welcome to the Yellow Ball Podcast. No worries, thank you very much for having me. Nah, my, uh, my absolute pleasure. Now, the thing is, now you probably might not know this, and it's been burning a hole in me for ages. So before I even start, we get into anything. Now, you might not remember this, but <laughs> I do, okay? I was in some accommodation up in Mackay, right? We're up at Mackay Indoor Sports. It was, um, I think it was the juniors or something that was going on. About three or four years ago, I was commentating. I had this nice big penthouse thing to myself, really enjoying my time. Someone from Cricket Australia, I won't say who, tapped me on the shoulder and goes, oh, hey, Loie, you got to shift out because we're giving this to Crossy. And I had to collect all my kit and that night I slept on an umpire's couch. Do you remember that? I don't recall having a big massive penthouse, that's for sure. <laughs> well. <laughs> can't, can't, can't deny if I confirm. Yeah, so maybe what happened was that big massive penthouse, maybe some of your players um, – moved into the adjoining rooms or whatever it was. But I thought I'd struck gold. And then, um, yeah, apparently Queen Crossy um, trumps uh, Gary Lowe and I had to collect all my bongos and shift out. So it's been burning a hole in me for years. So, um, yeah, thanks for that. The, umpire, well, the umpire's couch sucked. I definitely cannot remember that too well. But um, I'm not, definitely not a Richo because Richo always seems to get those perks. Definitely not me, that's for sure. Does she And uh, Richo being Donna Dolby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, let's talk a little bit uh, about, and, and we will get to Donna Dolby as well, uh, who is an indoor cricketer uh, Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, we'll start perhaps at the beginning with yourself, a, a little old country cricketer born in Gympie, which um, for those who might be unfamiliar, it's about 170 kilometres north of Brizzy. Uh, you started playing outdoor cricket with the boys at age six, and then you followed yep. your old man into the indoor centre when it first opened at the age of 10. That's right. Yeah, um, I used to love to follow my dad around and wanted to emulate emulate him. And yeah, um, what, what was your what was your real first earliest memory of being a junior indoor cricketer out there at Gympie? Not necessarily knowing how to play cricket that well. Um, just sort of, I guess, going down to the centre and having a bit of a, a hit with some of the kids and. From there, I guess we probably sort of just progressed and went into a little team together. And then I remember going to a little junior carnival way back day in Mackay. It was the first little trip that I ever went on and got billeted out. And 
Yeah, most of it, I don't remember much of the cricket, to be honest, but I remember getting billeted and um, going, we went 10-pin bowling one day. That was probably most I remember, to be honest. Well, that would be a highlight for anybody's trip because that was way back in 1987. And then from there, mm-hmm. the representative sides really began to flow. You had uh, Innisfail Phillies in the under-15 boys in the early 90s. Uh, you played for North Queensland in the 92 state titles. Uh, Tingalpa, you represented in Super League. And then you finally broke into the Queensland side at 2000. So in amongst all that, at what stage did you kind of go, I'm actually pretty good at indoor cricket? When did it, when did it dawn on you that I'm actually handy at this and I might actually apply myself and, and make some serious squads? Uh, probably early on, early days of Tingalpa. Uh, I just started to also get into the outdoor and playing for Queensland as well at that stage. And, and then I had... Brad and Zala come and sort of have a few words to me and then from there my indoor cricket just sort of took off. Um, it did take me years, however, to get into that Queensland side because at that stage they had a, a hell of a lot of the Auss- uh, Aussie players and some really good girls that were playing. So, yeah, it was a bit uh, devastating, I guess, the first sort of year when I really thought that I had a chance and to get knocked back but what didn't kill me made me stronger and I just sort of persisted for the next few years and yeah finally cracked in at 2000. And Brad Zeller he was uh, quite an influence on you not only as a coach but as a person he was your first Queensland and Australian coach? Yeah I guess from those early days days at Tingalpa he was coaching the Queensland side and sort of took me aside and said a few words here and there about um how I might potentially get into the Queensland side because at that stage I was wicket-keeping and Dules was the Queensland and Australian keeper. So my chances were fairly limited unless I could sort of maybe be versatile and change my position. So he sort of said maybe roving was a a better option for me to break into the side because then at least if someone wasn't playing, I could take take their spot or fill that sort of role within the team. And um, you kind of mentioned uh, in previous conversations I've had with you about Brad that he kind of, oh no, t- tamed a wild child seems a bit bit outlandish, but um, he, he really did kind of um, made you pull your socks up a little bit. Yeah, thinking that I was maybe a little bit oh, better than potentially I was at that stage, <laughs> a little bit raw and whatever. Um, yeah, he just sort of said a few words in terms of um, if you do your job, then the team will, around you will take care of that. And so if I had likes of Richo and Wren and Dunks like in the front court, if I bowled those balls that I bowled to anybody at your Super League level, that I would have a wicket. And um, if I yeah, if I bowl the best ball in the world, well, you've done your job. The rest of it is taken care of by the team or those around you. So it sort of made me realise that maybe it's not all about me and I was being a little bit of a um, – I was going to swear, um, maybe you need to pull my head in and realise that it's not all about me and that there's a team around me that needs to work together. So he certainly made a little bit of a difference and made me think about how I played and what sort of personal player I to be going forward. And Donna Dolby was also another person that's had quite an, an influence uh, on you. you. You've already talked about her once already, so she's obviously quite um, significant in your progression as a player and a person also. Yeah, I guess... Um, she, at the stage when I sort of first started playing, she was Queensland captain and um, Australian captain and so one you sort of looked up to and respected as a player, not only as, um, so, uh, you know, opposition, but when you sort of started to get to play with her, um, you certainly listened to what she had to say 
and in early on days, yeah, she did sort of um, take me under her wing a little bit and give me a little bit of advice and drove me to trainings and stuff like that. So we had some uh, long chats and I still now have a flag that she gave me when I first made the Australian team and it's, um, yeah, one of those treasured memories because it's, it was a personal gift to me at the time and I've got her to sign it and it's the only person that um, it sort of inspired me to continue to improve my game. How does it feel now, now, sorry, to know that people look at you the same way that you looked at Donna Dolby when you were coming through the ranks? <laughs> um, I don't see myself as that sort of um, person, to be honest. I am um, doing this, so I don't necessarily talk about myself that much. And I'm not one to go out and, yeah, spruik whatever I've done. Um, what you see is what you get, and it was all left sort of on the court. I'd rather let my game do the talking rather than me shooting off my mouth or whatever. And always um, the modest Crossy. I would expect nothing <laughs> less. And um, for those folks, you know, when we ask Crossy to come on, um, uh, you've just heard what she said there, you know. It's like, oh, you know, I'm not too sure and I don't like to spruik myself. Uh, I can't believe it. I'm looking at podcast producer Juzzy. $10,000 we had to stick <laughs> under the nose of Cindy Cross to get her on. To, have you transferred that money to her yet or what, mate? Have you trans- um, It's in the mail now. It's in the mail, is it? Yeah, $10,000. That's the whole um, podcast budget blown on, on Crossy. So, look, mate, I think, um, you know, just from me to you, like, yeah, you are a, a humble cat. There's no doubt about it. And you don't like the spotlight at all. Um, however, I think that your story getting told um, is really important because I'm telling you right now that although you might be blissfully unaware, you are an absolute gun role model for men and women cricketers that are coming through the ranks um, and the veterans that have been around for a while. Um, so it is important and um, the influence that you have, never forget for a second um, the impact that you have because, mate, you do make meaningful change and not just to the players on the court but in their lives as well. Later on uh, in the chat and as I look at my little list of notes here, there's a couple of uh, little comments from some of your players and I'll have you make <laughs> comment on it and hopefully that'll – make you understand how important you are to them. And look, it wasn't really long um, until you got in the Australian squad, really. So Queensland in 2000, and then you were off in the green and gold on a trans-Tasman tour of Auckland and Wellington pretty shortly after, yeah? in 2001, the next year, yeah. From what everyone tells me, um, you take representing your country <laughs> extremely seriously. I sure do. It's, um, it's hard to describe and hard to put into words. Sometimes, but like I said, wearing that, wearing my flag around my neck like a cape with Richo's autograph on it, um, and putting on that, uh, putting on the uniform and singing the national anthem, even as I'm talking now, it's getting a little bit choked up because that's how much it sort of meant to me at the time. Oh, crossy. And mate, that's why when people say you talk with passion and drive, um, and absolute love for your country. Uh, they're not kidding. Means a lot, hey? Definitely did, and it's taken me a lot of places and got me to uh, yeah meet the meet the love of my life. So in that regard, I owe cricket or indoor cricket and Brad certainly a hell of a lot. And look, you are right. You did get to meet me, Crossy, which is great. Thanks. For, oh, sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This is awkward. This is this is very uh, awkward. You're a funny bugger. Um, <laughs> Lighten the mood. That's always good. That's good, mate. <laughs> I, I, just, I had to lend out a hand to a Thanks. friend out there. 
tell me more about this flag, this flag that's around your neck. We see it in a lot of photos. Is there some kind of a tradition or custom in the Australian side that I'm missing out on? And uh, that flag, you were, present, you were presented it by Donna Dolby, you, you were saying. No, I guess for me it was um, always I'd wear it to the centre and then when we were warming up I'd sort of hang it on the side of the net um, and then if I was playing I would give it to the, one of the people sitting on the bench so that they would wear it and it's just always been one of those things that I didn't leave home with, especially when I went on Australian tour and I guess now going into my coaching role I still, um, yeah, I still try and wear that whole t- whole game through. Otherwise, I'll give it to one of the kids to wear while I'm sort of trying to be semi-professional and do my coaching role. <laughs> semi-professional. <laughs> uh, beautiful stuff. So it is um it is really um, – so we know we've got Indoor Cricket Hall of Famers that we'll talk about a bit later, but if there's ever uh, an Indoor Cricket Museum, I guess that's going to have to be one of the things that goes behind glass and in a cabinet sometime, hey? Last year when we were – um, playing in New Zealand, they, for the opening ceremony, there was no one that of over there that had even thought about having an Australian flag and Brianna asked me if I would give it for the opening ceremony so they could hang it up and I well, was a real bit um, protective of it and didn't want to really let it out of my sight, to be honest, because I never, I never thought I'd get it back or well, that's yeah. how much it does mean to me. Remax Elevator Tarragindi is based in the inner southern suburbs of Brisbane. Their team are here to assist with all of your property needs with a global reach and a local community focus. Their team is here to make your real estate transaction a six-star experience. Call Darren and his team today on 0416 169 002 to make your property dreams come true. And we've talked about one special treasure um, being that Australian flag, and we've already talked about this person briefly already. Another person before I very cheekily injected myself as being <laughs> the love of your life. Um, a person called April. What can you tell me about um, her? Oh, um, she came into my life at a time when I guess I wasn't expecting to find anything. I'd been merely single for a week. I'd been dumped the week before, before I went away for Australia. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Someone dumped you. Somebody dumped a future indoor cricket hall of fame. And no, 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 yeah. no, no. That can't be right. Yeah, we just sort of got to got chatting, and from there, um, rest is history. Really, we've um, yeah, spent a hell of a lot of time playing together, and then now April supporting me in my dreams and my passion to coach the next generation coming through to hopefully get those kids into the um, yeah, Australian Open side. So she definitely is one that has, I guess, um, put a lot of her own, um, oh, not ambitions, but when she retired in 2007, I still obviously played for another few years. And, yeah, the drive that she gives me, the motivation that she gives me and the support, I really, really appreciate everything she's ever done for me in terms of, um, yeah, my cricket dreams and aspirations. Do you think you would have been able to do it without her? To be honest, no. Um, as much as she would <laughs> love me to retire one of these days and spend a bit of more time at home, um, no. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. But I finally got her into um, helping me be an assistant coach with my West Australian juniors this, this year. Um, so to come along and give her input as well, even though she reckons she's not got much um, much to offer or to say to the kids, but I believe otherwise. And, 
yeah, if we hadn't of this coronavirus issue hadn't come up, well, we would have been in Melbourne this week. Yeah, and, and I was thinking something very similar about that as well because we're starting to get into that. We've missed out on the Masters, um, you know, and now we're starting to get into those times where we would have been elsewhere. And I think we'll all be feeling a bit glum going outside, kicking over a few <laughs> rocks and looking sad at our shoes when the World Cup rolls oh, around yeah. as well because uh, we could have been there as well. And that's obviously um, postponed and I, I'm definitely not going to be talking out of school, but uh, I know at Cricket Australia will certainly at some stage be uh, having some announcements in regards to what's coming up. I've got no doubt. Obviously, I'm not a part of uh, any decision-making authority team at Cricket Australia, but um, I've got no doubt that very shortly there'll be some announcements uh, about the direction of indoor cricket um, with all the um, kind of things that have been happening at Cricket Australia of late. Um, You've toured a lot of places. Uh, We're talking about Auckland, Wellington, Sri Lanka, Christchurch, Johannesburg, England – and as a coach, you can also throw Dubai on top of that as well. You've won five Trans-Tasmans, four World Cups. You've coached Trans-Tasman World Cup victories, Australasian Cup victories. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think that something like that would be achievable? Because I'll tell you right now, as an average person just looking at that list, it's, it is actually almost unbelievable that someone's been able to do all that. Does it still blow your mind? Yeah, when I started to sit down and actually go through what my achievements were when you asked me that question, I um, yeah, it does. When you actually on paper, it's like she was. I have done a hell of a lot of things, and I have achieved um, yeah, a massive amount. Even just saying like four World Cups as a player, it's um, yeah. I don't think you could ever, when I first started out playing, that I could ever say that. You know, it's and as we used to say when we did win, it was like it's not every day you win a cup and. That's true, yeah. Not many people really ever in their wildest dreams get to, to do that unless you're like an Olympian that goes to four Olympics, you know what I mean? So I sort of equate it to that sort of feeling as to, yeah, long longevity, I guess, and um, very fortunate to to be able to play that amount of times. Although I'd ne- I really would love to know how many games I actually did play. It's not one of those things that we've sort of ever kept records on. Yeah, it'd uh, it'd certainly be up there. Like, you know, going through that list um, of your achievements and what you've done, and for those listening to the podcast, uh, we're going to put all that full list of Cindy Cross's achievements up on the Yellow Ball Podcast Facebook page. Crossy's going to hate that, but the good news is she's pretty hard to find on the socials, so it's all right, you know, you're missing in action, (laughs) Um, you know, so. That's it, I don't have any. Yeah, you, you're none of those socials for me. Yeah, that's no? right. You're not there. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, Crossy, is uh, I can do whatever I like, and there's nothing you can really do about it because you're not there. You're not there to stop me, mate. Well, yeah, well, I guess unless I don't give you permission. Yeah, and that's also true. And I, and I and, um, pull, pull all the plugs out. Pull all the plugs and uh. transmission and transmission. <laughs> but um, look, we, we will put them up there because it, it, it'll honestly, um, folks listening, uh, wherever you are, planes, trains, automobiles, um, it's going to just blow your mind. It's the most extensive list and I, I still can't believe it. And um, we're going to talk about your Hall of Fame induction. And I just remember thinking um, when I was considering what we we're going to talk about on this episode, I thought, gee, it's justified, a Hall of Fame induction. And, and we'll talk about it a little bit later as well. Um, you talked about World Cups. Um, you'd won four of them. And in 2009, you decided that a World Cup victory at home in Brisbane in front of all your friends and family uh, would be the best way to go out and you'd be, you know, going off, 
getting surrounded in confetti and ticket take parades. <laughs> um, but things didn't quite go to plan for you there, did it? No, I um, yeah, like like you said, I thought I'd go with bang. Best time I sort of was probably contemplating whether to continue on and a couple of years later I sort of thought maybe I should have continued because I was still playing as good as I ever had but I'd already made up my mind in 2009 that that was sort of going to be my finale and um, yeah obviously you don't go into the World Cup sort of games or thinking that you'll not play in the final as I guess me being me and sort of probably at the point of my career I didn't think I'd miss out on the final but um, as fate had it that was not to be. I played the semi-final against um, South, uh, South Africa, which we lost to. And then as a result of that, Richo didn't pick me for the prelim or the final. So, yeah, it was sort of a little bit of a oh, – I felt like a kick in the guts at the time. And obviously you sort of can't process that right there and then. And looking back on it, maybe I wasn't playing as good as I thought. But, yeah, I still got to, I guess, play in front of my my home, my home family, my, my friends at home in Brizzy, and yeah, still not a bad way to go out with my fourth World Cup win. At the time, did you think you were hard done by? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> I've never really spoken to Richo about it because I wanted to at the time, and I wanted to afterwards, and I've sort of just left it. And it's one of those things. That sometimes you think back and does it eat away at you a little bit, but. Um, yeah, I guess maybe because my batting partner and I didn't necessarily bat that well. Only scored, I think, 21, 22 runs or something or other like that. Um, and I can't remember what we, how much we lost by. But, yeah, at the time I probably felt a little bit hard done by that maybe some of the, um, some of the scoring wasn't necessarily my fault. Mm. And upon reflection? Uh, I probably still feel that way, to be honest. But, yeah. Um, yeah, you live and let die or live and let go and it's in the past now and, yeah, moved on. And for you, because you did the old John Farnham farewell tour, didn't you? You've gone, that's it, guys, <laughs> I'm out of here. And then next minute up on um, Ticket Tech, there's tickets to the Cindy Ticket Cross Tech. show um, <laughs> all over again. It's just like, hold on a second. Um, very hard to shake away. And you thought, you know what, stuff it. I'm going to stick around for one more year. Uh, this time it was in the Masters World Cup. And, you know, again, dreams up there. Let's play in a World Cup final. <laughs> and you poor bugger, snuffed out again. What went wrong this time? Um, second game in, we were playing against South Africa. So some of the old girls that had played, I'd played against for probably four or five years. Um, um, I was bowling. Um, can't think if it was Diane Brown, WA teammate, was at offside sweeper. She missed the ball, so I just sort of followed through and dived to try and save the ball from going towards the towards the back net for punter to try and get. And, um, yeah, as I dived, I've obviously not done a good dive like I've done a thousand times before and dislocated my shoulder. So that was game over, um, week over. And that was the last international game you played? Yeah, that was the last international game I played, definitely. And lo and behold, should I... Sidebar, um, I dislocated my shoulder about 13 weeks ago um, in a, of all be it, a canoeing accident with my outdoor red kids. Oh, same sh- is it the same shoulder, is it? <laughs> same shoulder, yeah, nearly 10 years later. Yep. Oh, yeah, so different story but all good. 
It's going. Right. Recovery's going well. So we've got Cindy Cross. We've just found out that she's a little bit, um, a little bit accident prone. So she's not going to be a chandelier removalist anytime soon. Because crikey me, she'll be uh, tripping over all over the place. So the shoulders got pretty painful. Shoulder dislocations, are they not? They sure are. Yes, definitely. And especially when you were in a um, where my school is, and we're at the lake around the corner from school. It's um, still a good forty-minute drive from the nearest hospital. Oh, really? So what you did that? You had to do, what's that movie, 172 hours, so you had to chop your arm off with a pen knife? Is that how it went, mate? Or? <laughs> no. Um, my HPE assistant, um, he dragged me out of the water because we are in the water when I capsized the canoe and, um, yeah. and then, yeah, called the, called the head of department and him and one of the other fellows came to drive me to the hospital. So it was probably for a good 40-odd minutes, yeah. Oh, gosh. pain relief because the, the ambulance couldn't actually find where we were. Yeah. Painful. <laughs> All right. Well, we now know that um, once you have one dislocated shoulder, they never really recover that well and, um, yeah, t- tend to be painful. So, and again, you've had another injury as well, which was your last game, and I'll, I'll quickly brush <laughs> on it because we – yeah, this is about, hey, let's talk about how great uh, indoor cricket is and all the good things about it, but it's kind of the painful journey physically and mentally and emotionally of poor old Cindy Cross, but you had your last game of Super League in indoor cricket, you um, you fractured your cheekbone or broke your cheekbone. Yeah, um, yeah so I sort of, that was going to be my last season playing for Belladura over here in WA and um, a few games before the end of the season, yeah, my batting partner was not really a cricketer to say, but anyway, um, <laughs> she <laughs> smashed the ball straight down the pitch and I really only had a split second to try and move my head out the way and get out the way in time and yeah, ball smashed into my cheekbone and Bob's your uncle fractured. And then that was it. That was the that was, it. A, that was the last time I ever played. So we had your very, very last game, which was against South Africa in uh, in the Masters World Cup, where the shoulder got dislocated. And then your very, very last game uh, playing representative cricket for Balajura, you've uh, got a fractured cheekbone, and that's how it all ended. There was no, um, you know, Wally Lewis, Alan Langer, Darren Lockyer send off. <laughs> you, you weren't chaired off. There was none of that kind of action. It was. No. Crossy's injured and away well, she goes. <laughs> yep, walk off, get an ice pack and then um, head to the head to the doctors to see what they can do. <laughs> well, um, Crossy, here's the thing. Now, I need to ask a favour for you because there's plenty more that I want to ask you, heaps more in fact, and we, we're kind of coming to the end of the, the podcast. Juzzy, he charges. We talked about $10,000 for you <laughs> on the show. Juzzy, what are you charging now, mate, for me to be the podcast producer? It's about 400 bucks an hour, isn't it? Something like that, Something yeah. Like 400 it's bucks. not cheap. No, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. I'll be out there singing for me supper. So, um, Crossy, would, I know it's a bit of a commitment for you to come back next week, but would you mind coming next week so I can fire a couple more questions at you? Would, would that be all right? That would be all right. If you've got a little bit more to, to ask, I'm willing to offer my opinions or give you some yeah, give you some of my history. Mate, if, if you wouldn't mind, because some of this is um, – you know, lightning in a bottle. It, it, it's insight that we just would never usually get. And I think that um, what we're experiencing now with you is a real Haley's Comet type thing. I don't think there's going to be a long time again that you're going to get behind the mic. So now's <laughs> the opportunity for the indoor cricketing community to, to punch out as many questions as they can. So, Crossy, are you sure you're right to come back next week? 
That's it, strike right at Ironside, eh? All right, all right. Well, um, for now, Crossy, um, thanks for coming along this week. Really, really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, we'll get uh, podcast producer Juzzy to get in contact and uh, we'll have you back on again next week if you're happy with that. All right, see you all next week. Well, a big thank you to Cindy Cross for stopping by the Yellow Ball Podcast headquarters. It's a, it's a real turbulent place. You know, we've always got stuff going on and... Um, you know, we've had the painters in this week getting getting everything ready uh, for the upcoming season because we know that indoor cricket's going to be firing back on all pistons. So a big thank you to Cindy Cross for stopping by. And again, there was just it was just too good. Having a chat to Cindy was really just catching lightning in a bottle. Uh, and so we decided, hey, we need you to come back next week, Cindy Cross. And she has very generously uh, decided that she will return. So a big thanks to Cindy for that because um, that's two weeks of commitment uh, that she's done for us. And to be able to come back next week and have a chat uh, really does mean a great deal to us. So I know that you would have enjoyed week one. And definitely get involved for week two because uh, it is going to be amazing. I've got no doubt. From all of us here at the Yellow Ball Podcast, myself, Gary Lowe, and Chief Button Pusher, Justin Rulon, thanks for your company this week. And we look forward to your company again on the Yellow Ball Podcast. You've been listening to the Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Get in touch with us anytime, yellowballpodcast at gmail.com. The Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia and sponsored by Play Straight Cricket. All the best players play straight. <laughs> play straight. Hey, Juzzy, what's the difference between a poor cricketer and Cinderella? I don't know, Gary. What is the difference between a poor cricketer and Cinderella? Cinderella when... <laughs> oh, dear. We decided, hey, we need you to come back next week, Cindy Cross, and she has very gratefully, um, or very, very generously, uh, that's a blooper, keep that in, that's all right. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia, this is the Yellow Ball Podcast.